0: Welcome to the RC Report. The RC Report is a part of the IBN Network. You can find all of our content at Facebook backslash IBN dot com. That's the easiest way to find it. You can also find the main hub at kind of bombastic dot com, which is harder to spell, which I just started to realize. I have with me Bleacher Report's Rad Gagnon. I don't know if I said that right, but I gave it a uh, the college try. Um suffering from a hoarse voice so you guys will have to uh bear with me and I'll let Brad do most of the talking. I'm gonna bring Brad on now. <clears throat> Brad, how are you?
1: I'm great, how are you?
0: I'm good. Did I put your name?
1: No, you got it. You nailed it.
0: Okay, I thought I did pretty good. Um <laughs> I'm just gonna preview some of these well not some of these, preview the two games that we got coming up this weekend. And you wrote an article on Bleacher Report, about how defense is, even though it's a brady the 17th matchup between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, possibly, most likely, the hopefully, the last, the way Peyton's playing, <laughs> um, that defense would be the key. Uh, tell us about that article that you wrote.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it really is something that I think a lot of people overlook. I think if you were to look at this matchup, pretend, you know, it's just quarterback X versus quarterback Y, you know, and I forget – their names are Brady and Manning and they've met a thousand times and and uh and they're both going to the Hall of Fame the first moment that they're eligible. Forget all that and pretend it's just two quarterbacks who had the seasons that these two quarterbacks just had. Brady was good, nothing not you know, not one of his best, but very good. Uh Manning's was obviously lackluster, and this would be a matchup about the defenses. It'd be a matchup about two top ten defenses, the pro football focused ranked right number one and number two in the league. It led the league in sacks, led the league in sacks sack rate, number one and number two, Denver first, New England second, probably deeper than almost any other defense in football. New England doesn't get the credit for that, but it actually is incredibly deep at all three levels, very well coached, of course, as always, with Bill Belichick and, and his staff. And so, you know, if you look at it at all three levels again, and, and these are two very defensive, sound teams. And, and in Denver's case, the defense is the only reason why they're alive, but I would argue that might be the case for New England, too, which... The Patriots haven't been up, given up more than 20 points in regulation since the month of November. So you know, that's a strong point. It really has become that. I know it's Clark and Edmund, and Edmund passes from Brady in New England, but that's still a one-dimensional offense that can be stopped. In this, you know, we've seen proof of that, even when those guys have been healthy this year to a smaller degree. So you know, it's, uh, I think the, the marquee quarterback matchup of this weekend is the one no one's talking about compared to Brady and Manning, and that's, that's of course, Sam Newton and Carson Palmer.
0: Yeah, that that's a much better matchup in the here and now. Um we'll, we'll get to that. Let's let's stay with the Denver and the uh Patriots game. How big of an impact does Julian Julian Edelman have on the Pats offense?
1: Huge, especially if Chris Harris is uh, is as banged up as he suggested he is. He said that Bradley Roby, their other corner will have to take the majority of the snaps in his place, uh, at least in terms of uh covering top end receivers. Um, uh, because he was so limited against Pittsburgh, uh, he's an all-pro corner. He's one of the best in the league, and uh, he's kind of struggled down the stretch, and this injury has been a factor as well. And so, you know, as much as Roby's a good player, uh, uh, you know, the, you need to have everyone at as full of strength as possible against Gronk, Edelman, and Amendola. And so uh, when you have a fully healthy Edelman, and you have Gronkowski as well, and, you know, uh, on the other side of the field, um, the defense is often picking its poison, and when that defense isn't fully, you know, is, is a bit short-handed, um, that, that's almost a death sentence. So, you know, if those guys are all healthy and effective and, and you know, have an effective game plan drawn up against a, a Denver D that might not be fully healthy, um, Edelman could be the X factor. He could also be the X factor while only catching four passes, you know, and, and maybe Gronk makes the catches, and, and that's the point of the whole picking your poison conundrum.
0: Yeah, that definitely is uh, kind of the thing, especially uh, well everywhere. But in the red zone, I was listening to someone in an interview with Greg Rossell and he was saying, "Well, why don't you double team Gronk on the outside in the red zone?" Well, they're double teaming Edelman in the in the yeah. slot because he's dangerous too. So it is a much of a very much of a pick your poison thing. Uh, I'm gonna ask you about the matchup about whether Brady can get the ball off quick enough or. The, well, well, more specifically, whether the Broncos can get pressure on Brady. Brady, for this season, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, gets rid of the ball in an average 2.3 seconds. It drops to 2.2 when Element is there and goes up to 2.5. Their line is bad, but it seems like Brady and Element gate that with the quick passing game. Do you think the Broncos can take that away, or do you think they can find a way to get pressure?
1: I wish I had an answer. I mean, I think that's the major question, you know, heading into this game. I think this game will be decided when New England's on offense and Denver's on defense. And I think, you know, Chris Harris's coverage, as I just mentioned, will be a factor there. Um, but I, I also think that, you know, you have a, an offensive line that, as you just mentioned, is not very good but looks fantastic for some reason out of nowhere against Kansas City. Now, the Chiefs were missing Justin Houston for the majority of that game, their best pass rusher, and that's a big factor there. Um, but, you know, it's it, regardless of how good Brady's targets are, if if Sebastian Vollmer and Marcus Cannon are letting guys come through like a turnstile, which is very much possible against, again, a team, a defense that led the league in sacks and sack rate, and basically, um, you know, it's the most opportunistic defensive front you'll see in football at this point, um, then that's trouble regardless of, of those weapons but it does certainly make things easier. Brady is as good as anyone in this league, better than anyone in this league at getting the ball out as quickly as possible. And, and obviously he's got guys like Gronk who can kind who of, can get open pretty darn quickly. Um, especially if he, you know, uh, you know, plays fast and loose with the rules regarding offensive pass interference. And, uh, and Edmund and Amendola who can really kind of do the exact same thing. I think we overlooked Danny Amendola, who, you know, is was kind of the third guy, you know, kind of the, the outsider of those three, but, you know, he, he, you know, he's made his career sort of getting into those teams real quick and, and making yeah. quick catches, possession type of guy. So, I lost track, you know, of, I lost of, track of Amandola back-
0: after they hit. Did the league pick a while? Obviously, he's not suspended. But did the league speak on that? Have you heard anything about that? Why he wasn't suspended or what he find? I kind of lost track of that.
1: Uh, Amendola?
0: Yeah, the hit that he did last week on the punt return that everyone thought was dirty and...
1: Yeah, no, no, he's 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 still good to go. He's am, amped up. Is the headline you get when you Google him right now to face the number one Broncos D. So, um, you know, he'll he'll be there. And, and yeah, it's try it's he kind of he kind of faded into the abyss of it after that Yeah, play, yeah. there would release
0: least be, they were, you know sometimes Blandino will come on and at least make a comment, and it just kind of I didn't even think about it until today. when I was praying for this, and it's like, well, he didn't get suspended. I don't think he got signed. I don't know what happened.
1: No, yeah, there was a good, there were some chiefs that were calling for his suspension, right? And and which was I thought felt a little over the top. I don't think it was comparable to to the perfect play, obviously, which is no, you know, the comparison no. that was made. But but that's the way it is in the playoffs. They, they try to equate every cheap shot with every other cheap shot. I don't even know if that was a cheap shot, but a letter of the law, it's, it's actually kind of questionable. So
0: yeah, uh, let's switch to the other side of the ball and. And this is, and I think I know your answer because I was reading through some of your stuff. But do the Broncos have the right guy starting at quarterback for this game?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I think so. I think uh, you know if you haven't read my stuff, then that's one thing I've written is that they, they should sink or swim with Peyton Manning, and and I absolutely believe that. I believe you paid him a, a ridiculous amount of money to come in and try to you know do what John Elway did, and you got to remember that when John Elway left, you know they, they walked away into the sunset, as they like to say. He did it as not a game manager, but something between a, an elite quarterback and a game manager. That was Terrell Davis, right? And, and, and yeah, was a quarter, a I was going to say a quarterback
0: that had it? Terrell Davis behind him. That's what he was, <laughs> which is very exactly, helpful.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, you still got to make the plays. And, and and there's a difference in 1998 and and 2016 as far as uh, the impact quarterbacks have in the game. So it won't be it will be harder for a guy like Manning to win the way he has been performing this season. Um, But I think it's just as hard, if not harder, actually I do think it's harder, for what is essentially a rookie in Brock Osweiler. I know he's been around a few years, but as far as the starting experience goes, to rely on him to win. I mean, there's literally, based on precedence, based on what we've seen, uh, based on the amount of sacks he takes, the trouble he has with the second and third reads, there was literally a 0.01% chance that the Broncos were going to win the Super Bowl with Brock freaking Osweiler as their quarterback. Let's be real. <laughs> and and it was Super Bowl or bust in Denver this year. It had to have been, right? I mean, if this team loses the Super Bowl, it will have been a disappointing season for them. That was the way it has always been framed. That's the way it is, especially considering they're running out of time with, with Peyton Manning. Um, and, and so I really think that was the viewpoint, based on the fact they fired their coach last year after going, uh, you know, after winning the division and, and making the playoffs. So, you know, I really think that uh, that you gotta you gotta think or swim with him. You gotta either you gotta just find out, and maybe you will, you know, uh, implode and throw three interceptions. But your chances of winning with Osweiler were so slim that it was it's worth the gamble that a guy who has defied odds at every level of his entire football career might be able to do it one last time. He's also the smartest quarterback I've ever seen play the game, and ultimately the cerebral aspect of this game is so key. If he can pick apart a part of defense and, and and really focus in and have one hot game, basically, he can be in the Super Bowl.
0: Do you and, – and we you, you touched on it a little bit, but let's uh, delve a little bit deeper. Uh, most, whenever Peyton plays – there on Twitter and just and on my blog, there's just this overwhelming uh, deluge of comments about his arm strength and lack thereof, and I and and it does look pretty horrible. And two years ago, you said, well, it gets there, and this year we've seen some signs that it doesn't get there sometimes as often as it used to be, and with his ball placement. But do you think overall that Peyton's lack of arm strength is overblown?
1: Yeah, I do. Actually, let's rephrase it. I think that arm strength is overblown. I I think that you can be a very good quarterback. Yeah, I think you can be a very, very effective and a Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback in this league without ultimate arm strength. I realize the majority of the guys that have won them in recent years are the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world. And even the, the exceptions, you'd think, as far as eliteness, like Joe Flacco, have big arms. But yeah. I really do think it's about a accuracy. No, actually, it's about a the smartness. Cerebra, the cerebral aspect of the game, I think, is more important than anything for a quarterback. I think it's processing those quickly. Right that's one of the things right, I believe too yeah, that exactly, the ability to process yeah.
0: information very quickly is the number one trait. Go ahead, Chris.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So that that's Manning uh, to a T. Right. I mean, that's what Manning. That doesn't go. Manning, it does feel sometimes. And I saw a tweet. I, I wish I could pull up and remember who wrote it, but someone tweeted said, "Why does it feel as though Peyton Manning's Decision making has gone along with this arm. And, and I thought that was kind of profound because it, it, it does feel sometimes like the decisions he's making aren't as good as the ones he used to make. But I also think that that's it's possible since he's not bailing himself out with his arm like he used to when he did make those bad decisions. Like, Isn't he could get away with more before? So that that's possibly an aspect there. But uh, you know, I think first of all, yeah, it's the mind, and and he still has a major edge in that in that area. Second of all, it's being accurate, and he doesn't throw a lot of stupid picks. He still is a a fairly careful and calculated quarterback. And then third, if third, maybe even further down, if you can think of more tangible aspects, is is that arm strength. And and it hurts him once in a while, but let's consider this is a guy that had a pretty decent game still against Pittsburgh and had five drop passes from his wide receivers in that game. And and so if you count all those as catches, it's a whole different ball game the way we're talking about Peyton Manning right now. So – um, you, you know, I, again, the sample we've looked at mainly is when he was clearly hurt before, you know, going down officially with the four interception disaster performance and, and, and being relieved by Brock Osweiler and missing six weeks. And before that, I don't even know if it's fair to count, to hold it against him considering we knew, we realized at that point and afterwards especially when he was well short of 100%. Now he looks a lot healthier than he did before. We can't hold against him a game in which he basically handed off the entire time in relief of Washbother in week 17. And and I really don't think we can hold his, his uh, divisional playoff performance against him due to the fact they dropped five passes and his numbers weren't too bad regardless and no glaring mistakes. So, uh, you know, I really think he owes him to this game. A lot of people are further down on him than they probably should be.
0: Uh, uh The running game. Do you think, and then that's the thing with Kubiak's offense, people have said, it's, well, not people, but if they've even alluded to it to a degree, that it's a bad fit. But with a healthy Peyton, um, it seems like he'd be able to move more around like Kubiak kind of wants him to do. Do you think, and a lot of people have given Peyton the credit for being able to check into quality runs and making good decisions, and Mike Tomlin even said that, but do you think they'll be able to run on the Patriots?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that they have a better chance to run on the Patriots than the Patriots do on them. But that's not because the Patriots have forgotten the running game exists,
0: or will they um, even try? The Patriot with the Patriots, they might not even it, try to run.
1: Yeah, that's you know, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I, th- I think that's also you know a factor. But um, you know, I I believe in, in C.J. Anderson. I, I I really do think that you know that he's got the ability to to break one at any given time, and I think that's an important trait to have because. Yeah, I think we almost overrate yards per attempt in, in some of those numbers because ultimately a back isn't really going to scare a team like the Patriots if he's getting you know even four or five yards a hit and, and kind of consistently kind of making a dent in you. That hurts, especially if you're trailing. But the real danger, and, and the reason why a back can keep a defense on its heels and, and keep a defense honest, as the cliche goes is because he can hit a home run at any given moment on the ground. And that's really the biggest fear that a defense has, no matter who they're coached by and what their strategy is. So, you know, I think that's 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 the factor here, is that is that as much as CJ, you know, had kind of an up and down season, still ends up averaging a really solid four point seven yards per attempt, but we know that he can break one. And and if he does break one, it could be the difference in a in a win and a loss in this type of game. So uh, you know, I, th- I think that you know it's a guessing game because he might not have one. He might have one of those games where he simply just doesn't break one. Uh, but in this case, you know, I'm willing to bet that he's going to have that opportunity at some point in time and, and, and possibly do it.
0: And the last part on this matchup, the secondary of the New England Patriots against the receivers, and, and I really like the receivers for Denver, but between Osweiler and between Peyton and just the rhythm I feel like has been off with them. And they've they've had a lot of drops this year in the game, in particular that game and the game with Osweiler where, gosh, I think Demarest Thomas had like four or five drops on his own. But who do you think has the advantage? And the pitchers too. I like the way schematically they do it. A lot of times they will put Butler on the secondary receiver and, and try to lock him up yeah. and double-team the primary receiver. And um, do you think – who do you think has the advantage if you were matching up those two units?
1: Well, first of all, I, yeah, that's a strategy I actually love. I I always wonder why more teams don't do that. I mean, uh, it, it makes so It you, really does. Yeah, you exactly. You take and Richard Sherman always played a side, right? And that's what I loved about that is typically early in his career, especially where you'd see he just you know they'd, they'd have him on one side of the field, period, and 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 whatever happened happened. And I I actually even appreciate that a little bit more. But I think the idea of having you know, Logan Ryan, um, or or you know, whoever it might be, Harmon and, and other guys that have kind of split that role, sort of, you know, doubling up with guys on one side and taking literally shutting down the number one receiver. And then you let your number two be or sorry, your number one corner be on an island against that other option. Uh, it just seems to be the most sensible way to to approach that, to to utilize the double team on the first guy because that's obviously more effective. And then you have to you have to believe that your best corner on an island against the number two receiver uh, is going to shut him down for the majority of the game as well. So I, I think that's a genius way of defending a team uh, in any respect. And especially a Broncos team that doesn't have the same threat at, at tight end that it did earlier in Peyton Manning's time there with Julius Thomas kind. So, uh, you know, I think that that doesn't necessarily leave them vulnerable there and, you know, Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty are fantastic safeties anyway that can come in and do a great job there. They're a little thinned out at the linebacker position right now and obviously their linebackers, you know, might not be in their special might not be in their element in that situation anyway. But when you have McCourty and Chung, Chung just a complete revelation lately. I mean his his career was as good as over when he was in uh in Philadelphia and, and Philly, yeah. he was back horrible. To- like I've to- never
0: you're right. This is one of those big transformations because I just thought, and his pro football uh, focus, I think he was one of the lowest rated safeties that year. I mean, yeah. he just lost, but Belichick's worked for America, I guess.
1: It's Bel- that's what I was just going to say. It's Belichick, man. You can't put anything past the magic of go Belichick. And so the Bella magic, you know, uh, happened here. And him uh, and Chai and him and, Ch- and, and McCordy. I mean, you can't really go wrong. So, yeah, there is, on paper, it, you look at the secondary for New England, you're like, yeah, okay, you know, there's no no Daryl Revis anymore. And, you know, long gone are the days of, you know, Asante Samuel and these guys. But uh, you look at that, the way the units played together. You look at the uh, surprisingly strong performance from Chung, the great breakout rookie season, or not rookie, it feels like rookie season from Malcolm Butler. And then, you know, uh, uh, McCordy uh, obviously being a very steady free safety. And then you match that with, as you mentioned, a, a receiving core – Again, on paper, looks like a strength, but there hasn't been a ton of consistency from that. And it doesn't help when you haven't had a lot of consistency from the quarterback position. But I don't know if I trust Damaris Thomas on a consistent basis. I know I don't trust Emmanuel Sanders on a, on a, a consistent basis, and there's not a lot of depth beyond that. And, again, no Julius Thomas, no Owen Daniels. Where's Vernon Davis? He's on the milk carton, right? He hasn't been able to do anything. <laughs> I literally forgot it. he so played for
0: that team. I got him a text alert. Or maybe from ESPN, and they say Vernon Davis is still not making a fact. Still not a fact. I was like, like damn, like he actually still plays for them. I forgot that they traded yeah. for him. And only a couple
1: of years ago, he was only a couple of years ago. He was like one of the best five or six tight ends in the league.
0: Yeah, he was. It's was amazing he disappeared. And then you would think. And then he talked all that trash when he first uh, got there about having a real quarterback, and he hasn't done anything with. Not to paint no, great, but no. yeah, he's totally disappearing. <laughs> Let's get a prediction for that game from you.
1: You know, I'm picking, I'm picking Denver, man. I I, I think that, uh, I think that you know, Vegas is all over the Patriots and the is all over the Patriots, and I think it's because we view this game in this sort of vacuum of of, of like a boxing match. And I said in that you know in that article I wrote this week, where, you know, it's it's Manning versus Brady, and yeah, if I had to pick Manning and Brady in a throwing competition right now, I'd pick Tom Brady, but that's not what this is. It's, it sometimes it feels like you're watching the NFL, uh, in 2015, but. It's not. It's The reality is there's so many other aspects to play here, and almost all of them point to Denver. You know, whether it's the fact that Brady's 2-6 and six in Denver in his career. He's never lost more than two games uh, um, in another stadium in his career, not within the AFC East. Uh, whether it's the fact that Denver's got a better offensive line, a better defense, a, a more opportunistic defense, forces more takeaways, is healthier, has a better running game. I mean, you name it. Outside of the quarterback position, I give almost every other edge, including especially being at home, the Broncos, and so, um, I, you know, I have a hard time picking a team just because its quarterback has a slight edge, and it might only be at a slight edge. It might not be as massive a gap as a lot of people think because I think Manning is better off right now than a lot of people realize, and I think that Brady is, you know, Brady's great, but he's no longer quite the guy he was a few years ago, even with that Super Bowl MVP he got last year.
0: Let's switch to the other matchup, Carolina Panthers and Arizona Cardinals. Which quarterback in this matchup, probably two of the top three M V P candidates, which two of these three and obviously Cam will win it. but which two which of these two quarterbacks do you trust more in this big game situation? Uh, you know what,
1: if you had asked me that a week ago, I would have probably said Carson Palmer, maybe just because, you know, I can still see Cam throwing that, you know, kind of that boneheaded yeah, the pick. pick. But you know, he had a few of them in the first half of the season, you know, and then he, he didn't really get rid of them. To his credit, he only had Uh, one interception in the final seven weeks of the regular season. So he really got it together. And then, but I still probably would have said, you know, the the more experienced Carson Palmer, the better receiving core, probably better pass protection. Um, You know, we don't know about Jonathan Stewart in support of of Newton with the injury. And so I would have said Carson, but um, that was a long caveat, but (laughs) uh, <laughs> he was scary. shaky.
0: You're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. He was pretty shaky last Saturday night. I think. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't know. And maybe, maybe he fixed it. Maybe he's all of a sudden better based on that incredible overtime throw. Maybe that gave him all the confidence he needed to get it back together. I mean, getting away from pressure there, spinning out, throwing it across the field to Pacheco for 75 yards. Well, the throw wasn't 75 yards. The throw and catch. And yeah. That.
0: Right. So maybe yeah. that.
1: Maybe that helped, right? And, and you got to think the law of averages indicates that. You know, a quarterback as good as Carson Palmer who's had a, a season as good as Carson Palmer who struggles in one game, usually he fixes it pretty darn quickly and is pretty effective in the very next game. You often don't see quarterbacks as good fade for consecutive weeks in the playoffs unless it's an issue in terms of his overall, you know, his ability to get up and perform in the postseason. If he's got, you know, that kind of syndrome, I, I'm i a Toronto guy, I call it Vince Carter syndrome. And and so <laughs> if he's got that problem, then, then that's a whole other ballgame. The point being, there's more questions right now about Carson Palmer than there are about Cam yeah. Newton. So, you know, I, I trust right now and Newton a little bit more, but I wouldn't be shocked if either of them had a dud or an incredible performance.
0: Yeah, they both uh, – well, not they both. But Palmer, as experienced as he is, he hasn't won a playoff game, and I think he only played in two or three, if you're counting, when mm-hmm. he got hurt, like on the first play, the first couple plays of the Pittsburgh yeah. game years ago when he played for the Bengals. So, yeah, he's not experienced so – I was originally going to say we kind of addressed it whether those were jitters or he could uh, work them out. Hopefully he will work them out. He recently play at a high level, so we'll get a good game. Uh, I think the big, I think the key to this game personally will be Arizona's deep passing attack. Aaron is good at scheming it up and getting his receivers matched up with safeties, and he's very aggressive as a play caller. Some would say too aggressive last week, but do you think? That Arizona's deep passing game can expose Carolina's secondary, which we saw had trouble in the second half of the season against the Saints, against the um, against the Falcons as well, and the second half of the Seattle game.
1: Yeah, and especially in the second half, I mean Carolina has choked on more leads than anyone in football this season. They've held on almost every, actually every single time they have held on, but you just wonder if it's a matter of time. Before that poor, you know, fourth quarter play. I mean, this is a team that, like, outscored the. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I crunched them later this week, but they outscored their opponents, obviously, quite dramatically in the first three quarters, and we're actually outscored in the fourth quarter this season. So, you know, that's that's a bit disconcerting. So, I do wonder if, you know, a team like Arizona can slug at them so much deep, especially, especially as the game wears on. That they might finally get through and 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 and, and you know beat Carolina after you know falling behind in the first half, which just seems to be something every team does now. I mean, the Panthers have won 12 straight regular season and playoff home games dating back to 2014. They don't lose at home, and and they usually build big leagues. I mean, do you see how these are cocky and confident they were in the first half against Seattle? I mean, that was like they were it was like coronation. Like they were already you know in, the, in a super Bowl Yeah, straight. yeah. They, they love playing there. They love the crowd and handing footballs out left and right to children, and and it's it's cool. Like you know, I like it, but you just wonder if it's going to catch up to them. And so, you know, as far as the X's and O's go, you mentioned, you know, Carson Palmer led the league by a wide margin in terms of yards per attempt average. Goes deep a lot. You mentioned they're they're very aggressive offensively. They're going up against a Carolina defense that doesn't have Benny Wickery or Charles Tillman, two of their top three cornerbacks, and so. You know that, that's that's got to scare me if I'm a Panthers fan. That's the one potential Achilles heel that exists. Is that yes, you have Josh Norman, uh, but you know what? Is Corlin Finnegan someone you want to be relying upon? He wasn't even employed a couple months ago, and and now he's exactly. going to be starting. That,
0: that's a very worrisome. <laughs> yeah. that was, so, a very yeah, lot of was about that. On on Fitzgerald a lot. Who'll be lining up a lot, and Finnegan will be matched up with them a yeah. lot. And that's just not something that I'd look at as favorable. Not that they don't play zone, but even that.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a big factor. You know, I think that they're going to be able to play – they're going to be very strategic with Norman. But beyond that, um, I think that they're going to have some serious weak spots against a very deep receiving core. And, and you know, I think it's the primary reason why I think Arizona sticks around in this game.
0: And then we have – if Carolina is going to be able to limit the passing game for Arizona, they're going to have to get pressure. K-1 short has been a revelation this year. Of course, they have Luke Kuechly, just in the passing game in general, probably the best coverage linebacker and probably the best middle linebacker, period, maybe, in the NFL. Uh, Do you think that they will be able to get pressure on Palmer against Arizona's offensive line, which is – have a few standouts, but it's shaky in some areas as well.
1: Yeah, it is shaky in some areas, but, you know, ultimately, I think that's going to be a trouble spot for Carolina, too. I don't think – I think Carson Palmer is going to have his opportunities, and 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 you know Jared Velders is a, you know not, maybe not a great left tackle, but a very good left tackle, and Mikey Apati is obviously a Pro Bowl the left guard, and, and and beyond that they've got some talented guys, and you know maybe not guys that you know come to mind like it's, you know it's you know it's, it's Ted Larson and Bobby Massey, I mean these guys aren't guys that you know you you go oh man well they got Massey, how can you how can you get the Palmer, but. <laughs> You know, they're, they're still going to be, uh, I think, in pretty good shape. But, and Carson Palmer's a smart quarterback, and he, and that's the thing. Again, that's and I keep talking about it, with the smarts, the cerebral aspect to being able to navigate the pocket, Carson Palmer's got that. He might not have it the same degree that, you know, Peyton Manning did in his prime or Tom Brady even still does now, but, you know, he's got that ability to find receivers pretty quickly if he needs to and, and to navigate the pocket. So I, I don't expect, you know, as much as Jerry Kaywon Short has had an incredible season and a really underrated season, and has stepped it up especially late. And, and you know, combined with Keekly and, and, you know, Charles Johnson back and, and, and the guys they have in the secondary, you know, they're always a threat to, to come through and get to the quarterback. But I don't think that's the kind of thing that will decide this game. I think Arizona's scoring a lot of points in this football game. The question is, will Carolina now score them?
0: And what's been different about Cam Newton? There's been a tremendous transformation as a quarterback, and I have my thoughts on it. Uh, But I'm going to let you delve into what has led to this year, where Cam may have had he will win MVP, but there's a legitimate case that he was the best quarterback.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just legitimate maturation. You know, it's not as though he obviously got any better in terms of the the weapons he has when he lost Kelvin Benjamin in the preseason. A lot of people were writing this team off. So, you know, I think he still has his problems as a passer. I don't think he's the best passer in football. I think he's but. He's the MVP. He's definitely not that. Um Exactly, you know, he's the MVP. He's he's uh he's but he is in terms of pure passer, in terms of his ability to again the thing we just talked about, navigate the pocket, uh, um, in terms of his consistency with his decision making, I don't think he's near the top. I think he's the best athlete in the league, uh, at least at the quarterback position. I think he's the most transcendent quarterback in that, you know, obviously the guys can score touchdowns on the ground. He can uh, uh, convert third downs no matter how yeah, he Short yardage back, basically. Like, which man, something we yeah. haven't really seen using a
0: quarterback in the way Tim Tebow was used at Florida, but you wouldn't think a quarterback could withstand that beating in the league, but he does have that extra value as a goal line and short yardage back.
1: Yeah, he, do, he does, and that's huge. So. You know, I think that he's, he's – pro- it's just clicked for him this year in terms of finally kind of putting that all together. And, and I mentioned that he only had that one pick in the final seven weeks of the season. I mean, the guy also had five or more touchdown pass- – or not or more, I think it was exactly five – in three games in the second half yeah, of the it year. Yeah, was crazy. I mean, he was also was lighting up – I know the he had it against the
0: Saints, and I know he did it against the Redskins, and I think there was another game too.
1: Yeah. So, I, yeah, he did it uh, He did it against New Orleans, he did it against uh, the Giants, and he did it against Washington. So. And Redskins, yep.
0: And so the key to this game on the, on that game, but on the other side of the ball, we have an Arizona team that loves, that's also aggressive on this side of the ball. They love to blitz. 40, league high 44.5% of the time they blitz. They're coming after Cam. How do you think that matchup works out with Cam and that offense and those receivers blitzing and getting blitzed, and how they'll be able to deal with it?
1: Well, I mean, I I would I'm expecting Cam to be outside the pocket a lot. I I think that you know it, it, you obviously take a huge risk when you're blitzing ad nauseum against you know a quarterback who is far more physically gifted than anyone who will be blitzing him, and and that's just what you're doing any anytime you come at you know Cam Newton. So. You know, I'm expecting them to come. It I may not be as often as they have. You know, they did against Aaron Rodgers, obviously, and, and they have late in the season. And, and I think they dust in the fly if they're getting exposed by Cam as a result of that. So, yeah, it'll probably happen a fair bit, uh, especially because, you know, without Ty Matthew in the secondary, um, I think they're a bit more vulnerable back there, and they probably want to try to limit the amount of time Cam has to – to find any of his receivers or Greg Olson, who of course is probably his best receiver, so you know I, I think those are all big factors in, in the equation. But you know when when teams blitz Cam Newton. Cam Newton usually burns him. I mean, Cam only had two interceptions against the Blitz this season. He had 118.1 passer rating when he was blitzed, uh, 19 touchdowns. So, you know, that that's where he's at his best. So you've got to be very careful if you're going to gamble that way. And it might not be worth the gamble, at least until Arizona finds itself down in the second half, which seems almost inevitable the way the Panthers play at home. It does
0: seem that way. So let's get a prediction from you. You didn't really show your hand with this one. Let's get an official prediction of how you think the game's gonna go. Who's gonna win?
1: Yeah, this one is admitted this year. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more confident in Denver than I. It's odd I'm an underdog than I am in either Carolina or Arizona. I ultimately uh, I have trouble picking against the Panthers at home in this spot. I just you know the first half against Seattle was so convincing that. So they might not be that good here. And Arizona is, I think, just as good a team as Seattle. But uh, I just got to think they're going to jump out early. I do worry they're going to give up that lead in the second half. But, you know, this is a team that's 21-2 and two since December of 2014. I know, again, Carson Palmer with Palmer at quarterback. Arizona is 26-5 since 2013. I mean, they don't lose with Palmer at quarterback very often. And they were the best road team in football this season. 7-1 and one, uh, had the highest uh, um, points differential away from home. Still, I just, you know, if I if I if I if I feel it's a toss-up, which is essentially what I think this game is, I have a tough time going with a very strong home team or not going with a very strong home team. So, you know, I picked the Panthers to win by field goal.
0: Well, thank you, Brad. Tell everyone where they can follow you on Twitter and where they can find your work.
1: Yeah, uh, on Twitter, I'm uh, Brad underscore Gagnon. G A G N O N. And uh, BleacherReport.com, you know, usually it's uh, if I'm lucky, it's featured right there on the on the front page, and and on my Twitter, I link to everything. So everything is uh, right there, Bleacher Report and Twitter, and then uh, my uh, my columns at CBSSports.com as well, all through my Twitter.
0: Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the games.
1: Yeah, you too. Thank you.
0: That was Brad Gagnon from. Uh, CBS Sports and from Bleacher Report. I thought Brad brought up some very interesting points and some of the great uh, stats and statistical uh, anecdotes to the game. From my personal perspective, is I have New England in the first game. I just don't think that Denver can pitch a shutout. Which is not literally, but I'm thinking about as a baseball analogy. They're going to have to pitch a great, dominant game as a defense. They have to shut down the defense. Of the New England Patriots. And I don't think they could do that. Can they hold them to 17 points? Because I don't think Peyton Manning can put up more than 17 points on the Patriots' defense or just in general. They just, unless they get a score and you're hoping that Brady's going to throw go a couple picks, which seems unlikely, Brady gets rid of the ball so quickly. Like I said, 2.2 seconds with Element at starting uh with elements starting. They're undefeated this year with Elements starting. I do not see the Broncos. Peyton doesn't have it. I think Belichick has watched the tapes. He's gonna expose Peyton's weaknesses, the things that he's not able to do anymore. Belichick's gonna figure it out with some of it's obvious, jump on the, the short passes, make him throw deep, and I don't think Peyton can do that. And then we go to the second game where it's really hard and I'm I'm i I'm still Wondering and second-guessing and thinking what my pitch should be. Is it Arizona or Carolina? In the end, I think it's an intangible thing. It seems like it's just Cam's year, and maybe they go on and win the Super Bowl. That's my gut thing, that Patriots and Carolina in the Super Bowl, and Cam wins. But, and they're at home, and they're a strong home team. But I do schematically, when I look at the game, I see a lot of advantages when you look at the the Cardinals' offense against Carolina's defense, that secondary is going to give up some big plays. And if they can't get pressure on Carson Palmer, it's going to be a long day unless Palmer just decides that he's going to choke but I just feel like the momentum, the intangibles, the things that Carolina brings to the table, the emotion, the passion of Cam and his leadership is going to rule the day. Now, I could easily see a scenario, and this is with my eyes, with my eyes. I can easily see a scenario where Cam is confused. He's going to face the most versatile defense, the most blitz-heavy defense He's faced all year, and if they turn Cam into a runner and he becomes less accurate and more scattershot like he's been in the past and like like he was at the beginning of the season, they're going to be in trouble. So look early. If they're getting pressure on Cam Newton early on in the game, that's going to spell trouble for Carolina because it's going to get him off that platform. He's able to just stand in the pocket, throw off his back foot, which is amazing, and just rifle shots in there. If he's not able to do that, his mechanics which are not great as it is if he has to get off his platform and get out of the pocket and try to make these same throws with some of the bad habits that he's picked up if he's not just standing there in pocket it's not going to work against it's going to work against him but i'm going with the momentum of carolina and i think ultimately they win the super bowl but hell what do i know we never know thank you for listening to the podcast if you've come here you can go to Facebook backslash ibn. You can go to Okano Classically Bombastic dot com. You can look up Ronnie Carlton. Also easy to follow on Twitter Okano Bomb, and you can get a lot of our content there. I c o n o b o m b at Okano Bomb. Thank you for listening to the RC Report. Enjoy the weekend's
1: games.